0: First Kings chapter 11, verses one through six. First Kings chapter 11, verses one through six. Again, we'll read this passage responsively. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Zidonians and the Hittites of the nations concerning which the Lord set unto the children of Israel, ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods, Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. How could he be wise? Uh, anyway, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Malcolm, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. And let's pray. Father, we need you tonight. Holy Spirit, guide my mind, guide my tongue. And God, would you allow me to say what your people need tonight, please? In Jesus' name, amen, you may be seated. Solomon was a very good man. Solomon is the son of King David and the son of Bathsheba. Bathsheba being the wife of Uriah, whom David had killed when he committed adultery with Bathsheba while Uriah was out fighting. Of course, that child that was conceived died, but her next child was Solomon. Now, you have to understand something. David was known as the man after God's own heart. We won't take time to turn there, but I'll turn there. If you went to the book of Ecclesiastes, and again, don't turn there, chapter 1, verse 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. God calls Solomon the preacher. Interesting. The only man in scripture God calls the preacher. Uh, Solomon was a very wise man. When he took over the kingdom, God said, Solomon, whatever you ask, I'll give you. I'll give you one request. And he said, God, the only request I have is that you give me the wisdom to lead your people the right way. God said, Solomon, because you are, are wise enough to ask for something for leadership for the people, and you didn't ask me for riches, you didn't ask me for fame or honor. He said, I'll not only give you wisdom beyond all other people, but I'll give you the riches and the honor and the fame. Now, the Bible says that there was never been a person as wise as Solomon to that point point. Or as wise thereafter. God loved Solomon very much. Uh, Solomon was the wealthiest of men. I'm not going to go into it. I could go into how many hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of gold and silver that were just part of his treasury every year. That wasn't a one time thing, that was an, uh, an annual uh, sum that would come in. And uh, it was just amazing. Now, Solomon was very strong in the area of wisdom. Solomon's strength was his wisdom. But watch this. He understood in new things people did not understand. He understood finances, farming, zoology, He had zoos that he owned, operated, and uh, ran. He understood construction and building, botany and flowers and plants, mining, music, poetry. Solomon could write poetry, write and play music, and he could tell people geological things about mining and construction and go on. He could talk virtually on any topic at an expert level. Now listen to this. Through all this, Solomon's wisdom ended up destroying him. His wisdom ended up destroying him. You see, Solomon loved people. He loved all people. And he wanted to help people. And his desire to help people with his wisdom eventually became his downfall. Now, should he have not helped people? No, that wasn't the problem. The problem became that Solomon allowed his wisdom to become his weakness instead of his strength. You see, (laughs) he understood people better than anyone. But his strength became his weakness. His love for and his understanding of people ended up causing him to love people he should not have loved. He felt like he was strong enough to love people. God said, don't love. Don't spend time with. We read in verse number one that he uh, he loved many strange women. He's not talking, anyway. Uh, but that means people of a different race, people of a different uh, religion, people of a different mindset. Of the nations, verse 2, concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. We have a separation problem. We have a problem here and Solomon said, well, I understand people and I know people so I won't let them affect me. I'm strong enough to stay true and I can do this. I can love them. I can marry them. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines, substitutes. You realize if he spent one day at a time, it would take three years to get through all of his wives. <laughs> Some of you women say, huh, if I only saw him once every three years, it might not be so bad. But uh, I'm not going there. <laughs> now, here's where I think Solomon blew it in the field of wisdom. A thousand mother-in-laws is not real smart. <laughs> One's about all a feller can swallow at a time, Amen. But can you imagine a thousand mother-in-laws? In In the words of that famous Gomer Pyle, Dumb, dumb, dumb. You see, in his wisdom, and his understanding of people, he then associated with people he should not. He fell in love with people he should not love. Watch this. And eventually, in his old age... They turned his heart away from God. Look at verse 4. For it came to pass when Solomon was, what's the next word? Old. Old that his heart was turned away. His heart, after, his, his wife turned his heart away after other gods. Now look at me. Our, our senior citizens and those of you that are getting older. its uh, You reach a certain age, there's a reason people retire at a certain age. Usually between 60 and 70 most people retire. Can I tell you why? They get tired of the battle. What was that? So they don't become president. <laughs> so they don't become president. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's past, anyway. That one didn't have enough sense before he started, let alone after the right age. But there comes a point in time, people will come to me often and say, Preacher, I'm wondering if it's time for me to retire. I say, no. And they say, what do you mean? I said, when you can come to me and tell you you know it's time to retire, it's time to retire. You'll know when it's time. You won't have to wonder. It's one of those things... Uh, that it just makes itself evident. You can't put up with the foolishness of the young people. You can't put up with uh, what's going on, and you're just tired of it. you got the wherewithal to live without it, and it's time to be done. There's a lack of patience in some ways with older folks. Can I tell you why? You've fought your whole life. You don't want to keep fighting. You don't want to fight your kids. You don't want to fight your grandkids. Please don't get mad at me. That's why God gives you kids when you're young, because if you're old and start having kids, you're not going to be as hard on them as you should. You don't want to fight them. Man, it's fun spoiling my grandson right now. Say why? Cries, give him back to somebody else. Got a nasty diaper, somebody else is touching it. I ain't. I didn't change my own kids. I'm not changing my grandsons. say, preacher, I'm not doing it. I'll spoil him and give him whipped cream when he's not supposed to have it or whatever and uh, let mama deal with it. I'm teasing. My my dad was going to do that earlier today, but he's all, come on. (laughs) Now, wait a minute. Now, I I enjoy that, but I'll be honest with you. I don't want to rear kids. I'm going to make a statement here. I don't mean to make anybody upset. That's why grandparents ought, to rear, not, ought not rear the grandkids. Plain and simple. Uh, it's just the way God intended it. As we get older, it's amazing how many older preachers change what they preach. When you get a church that has an older preacher, they start changing things. They don't have the energy sometimes to keep up and they'll hire young people and say, well, let's try some new things. And they give them too much freedom and they start dabbling in the world. And then the young people bring in the rock music and the TV screens and all the weird stuff and say, look at the crowd we have. Well, there's more to building a successful church than a big crowd. A pile of manure can gather a crowd. maybe not the crowd you want, but it's going to gather a crowd. Y'all understand what I'm saying there. Now, hang on for a second here. If we're not careful in our strength, we'll let it destroy us. I worked for a man who, uh, as a pastor, was in his mid-70s. And he looked at me one day and he said, Craig, he said, I wish I could leave this life with people knowing how much I love. But I'm going to have to leave a fighter. I've got battles to fight. And if I don't fight them, who's going to? He said, I guess I'm going to go out fighting. And he did. But I made him a promise that after he was gone, I'd let everybody know how much he loved you say, why? <laughs> he kept fighting because he loved. He didn't keep fighting because he wanted to. I remember the last service he ever preached. He had just gotten back from Mexico on Wednesday. He had a heart attack on Tuesday. Preached Tuesday night. Stayed awake all night Tuesday. Got on a plane. Flew from Monterey, Mexico to Chicago. Came back. We were getting ready to walk up the steps and come. Our, our, the door to the platform was up on the back of the uh, choir loft, and we would come down. I was right in front of him. He was on the step behind me. He put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Hang on, fellas. He said, Brother Craig, don't move. And I didn't move. And he went, I said, Preacher, you okay? He said, Yes, sir. Just need to catch my breath. All right, fellas, let's go. Oh we went. He preached a sermon about the King James Bible. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. And how we got the words to the King James Bible, how God gave it to us word by word. The last time he would ever preach. On this side of heaven. I remembered that sigh. Remember on two days later that Friday morning we had prayer time and Mr Lopez, you were in the office and afterwards I stayed and I was the first person to him to ask him a question. And he said, Craig, he said, I got a pain in my back. Do you think you could help me pick my briefcase up? Yes, sir. Where you want it? I said, What else do you need? He said, No, no, no. I said, No, what else do you need? I picked up a couple other things, put on his desk for him. I asked my question, he answered it, I looked at him and said, preacher, I love you, I turned and took about a half a step and he said, Craig, I turned around, he said, I love you too, son, it's only the second time he ever called me son, two hours later they took him to the hospital, I never saw him again, now wait a minute, he didn't go out soft. He went out hard. Very unusual. You get into your 70s and 80s, it's harder to fight the battles. You don't want to. You have to realize Solomon's in his probably 70s at this point in time. He's an older man. And the Bible says that as he got old, his wives turned, his heart turned away from God and he began worshiping false gods. Can I tell you something? If you ever find the day that this preacher changes doctrine and starts worshiping false gods, you know I lost my brain. Just throw me in a mental institute or actually just take my gun out and take me out back and take care of business. I, I, I mean this very, I, I mean this. The day bad doctrine comes from this pulpit, from this mouth, leave. If I'm gone and somebody else comes and starts preaching wrong doctrine, get out and find a church that's got right doctrine. Don't stay loyal to the church, stay loyal to the truth. Everybody doing okay? You don't hear very many preachers say that, but you're listening to one. You say why? Solomon thought that He was strong enough, wise enough, not to allow these strange women to affect him. Guess what? His strength became his weakness. His reliance upon that strength caused him to marry lost and idolatrous, God-hating people. And not only that, eventually they wore him down to where he started worshiping false gods. How sad, how sad. Now, the same principle is true many times in the Bible. Many great people in the Bible did the very exact same thing in a different way than Solomon. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was an upright and righteous man and yet, just a little while after the flood, he gets drunk. He went through a 120-year building program. I understand why he may have gotten drunk with that. <laughs> but then he goes through almost a year on the on the ark with all the animals. <laughs> and that's not just his children. Uh, but uh, all the things that were necessary gets off and they begin building their homes and then he gets drunk. Now, wait a minute. Don't you think Noah was a good man? Why would he do something so stupid? No different than what Solomon did. Abraham, the friend of God. (laughs) Abraham, leave the land of the Ur of the Chaldees, leave Iraq, go all the way over to Israel, and I'll show you a land that you know not of. Abraham, by faith, leaves, and he leaves his family, leaves his kindred, and he gets all the way there. And God says, at the age of 90 years old, I'm going to give you a son. By 90, he hadn't gotten a son yet, and his wife was 80. He said, we better get this thing cared for, and she says, well, I ain't having another one. You better take my, my handmaid, and he has a, an affair with her, her handmaid, and Ishmael is born. By the way, the father of the Muslim race. By the way, Ishmael had 12 sons. There were to be twelve tribes of Israel. That's why the Muslims believe that Israel is their land and not the not the Hebrews. He didn't believe God. Ten, actually, thirteen years later, when Abraham's a hundred and she's ninety, <laughs> she he comes home from doing whatever and says, "Honey, I got the flu." And he said, "Well, what medicine?" And she said, "No, I got the nine month flu." You say what? At a hundred years old, he fathers Isaac. Now, wait a minute, here's the man that had so much faith, he would leave and go to a land he knew not of, but he doesn't have the faith to trust God to give him the son in his old age. His strength became his weakness, Moses. Moses, the meek man, Man who, by the way, when he was a younger man in Egypt, by the way, Moses is his Egyptian name. God even called him by his Egyptian name. Everybody doing okay? Now watch this. As an Egyptian, he killed somebody leaves for 40 years and comes back, God uses him, come back and lead the Hebrew people out of the bondage of Egypt and they get across the Red Sea, they get to the rock in Horeb near Sinai and the people are whining and complaining still and he said smite the rock, he smites the rock and the water comes out to take care of three and a half to five million people. I hate to tell you it wasn't a little trickle. Imagine how much water it takes to take care of the city of DC and Baltimore that's how much water had to come out of that rock every day the Bible says that that rock followed them it took care of their herds and everything else say how's that work I don't know wasn't there but later years later 25-30 years later uh, the people are complaining. Moses is coming back from the funeral from his sister that saved him, that told Pharaoh's daughter that she would find Moses' mama to take care of him. That very sister died. They come back and they said, We're, and they start whining and complaining about the water. And Moses takes his rod and hits the rock. And God says, you just lost your ticket to the Holy Land. I told you to speak to the rock and not hit it. So what's the difference? Oh, according to John chapter 3, that rock was Jesus. And he was only to be smitten once and spoken to from thence. He was changing doctrine. God said, you'll never see the Holy Land. I'll never let you in. I'll let you take them to the brink, but you'll never go in. You'll die first. What was it? His strength became his weakness. King David was a warrior. He was so strong, and yet he stayed home from battle one day, and when he did, he went after Bathsheba. Ends up killing her husband after having committed adultery with Bathsheba, a child conceived. Hmm. Here's a man that was a strong warrior and so strong he didn't feel like he had to go to battle, but he went, didn't go to battle, and his strength became his weakness. Daniel didn't defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. Daniel's a good man. Let me ask you a question. When Nebuchadnezzar builds this 100-foot-tall statue of himself, and the rock music begins to play, and the people fall down and worship, where's Daniel when it says Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were the only three that didn't bow? Where's Daniel and well, I've heard people say, well, he was in a different part of the country. The Bible says that all the king's men were there, the leaders of the kingdom were there. Daniel was one of the top four leaders in the country. He'd have been there. His strength became his weakness. <laughs> The Apostle Paul, here's a man that gets saved midlife, begins preaching, God uses him, and towards the end of his life, he takes a foolish Jewish vow, a false religious vow. He was a man that was willing to change doctrine to appease the religious people. God said, shouldn't have done that. The disciples, they were strong, but when Jesus died, they forsook him and left, quit the ministry. Their strength became their weakness. They left the ministry to go back fishing and tax collecting and all the other things they did. Why is it that athletes and business people They achieve great success. Later in life, they lose it all and blow it. Because our strength becomes our weakness. Hollywood people gain fame and notoriety and can't hold on to a relationship one. It seems as though many people allow their strength to destroy them. Let me give you three or four thoughts and we'll go to the house. Number one. Strength becomes weakness when we think our strength can get us out of wrong. Let me show you what I mean. We think we are so strong that we can hang around wrong and it not affect us. Can I tell you something? Eventually, it will bite. There's story of a man who trained a boa constrictor from the time it was hatched. He taught it to wrap it around its hand and his arm and then it would go up farther as it grew. And eventually he would begin it around his feet and it would go up. Finally, and he had that snake for years and years and years and years. He would do shows all over the world and perform in front of uh, notoriety. And that snake would wrap itself from its feet all the way up around, clear up to the top of his head. He was performing a very formal event one day in a suit. That snake began to wrap itself around and people were just aghast at what was going on. In the process of wrapping itself around, the man's tie-tack turned this way. And as that snake went up, that tie-tack began to stick into that snake's belly. And when it did, it began to tense up. And when it began to tense up, he began to flex. And the more he flexed, the more it tensed. And all of a sudden, the bones started popping and crunching. And that stink began to kill him. And he literally was squeezed to death on the platform. He was playing with death too long. So it was just a a mishap. You can't handle that kind of stuff that long and not get you. You see, Solomon thought he was wise enough not to let the unsaved wives, the heathen, draw him away from God. Oh, I can date this person, daddy. He won't, he'll get saved one of these days. He'll not draw me away from God. Oh, yes, he will. Mom and dad, I can date her. She's not saved and she comes from a bad background, but she's not going to pull me away from God. Oh, yes, she will. Our strength makes us feel that nothing is going to stop us. (laughs) Can I tell you something? People make mistakes. be careful at work. Be careful with your coworkers. Uh, I work around a lot of different people. I counsel every kind of people. Mrs. Barnes has worked for me for 10 years. I have never one time called her by her first name ever at work. Never. Say why? Not gonna get that close. Everybody doing okay? There's there there's certain parameters that we follow. Say what? Protect us. Say, do you have bad thoughts? Of course not. But I don't want any accusations either. Everybody doing okay? If there's when we were working on properties and different things, and there was times we had to go to Jefferson County and both of us had to be in meetings, I didn't say get in the truck and let's go. No, she drove. I drove. Say, preacher, that's a waste. I'd rather have a waste of gasoline than have bad accusations. We need to keep ourselves in subjection, even though we think we're good enough. Well, I'm strong enough. I don't need to go to church Sunday night, Wednesday night. I don't need Sunday school. I don't need to go to all the services. You're about to fall. I hate to tell you. Because God says don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But so much the more. Not so much the less. Uh, I don't have to tell people about the Lord. I can just give money and we'll support missionaries and... The preacher will do it and others will do it. I'll just give money. No, we ought to give gospel tracts out. We ought to tell everybody we can about the Lord. (laughs) I don't need to read my Bible. I've read it. (laughs) You really need it. We need to keep ourselves in subjection and not let our strength become our weakness. I'm not about to let my strengths become my weakness for our church. We need to beg the Holy Spirit to help us in our areas of strength as well as our areas of weakness. Some of you have some musical ability. You ought to get involved in the choir. But if you start singing and uh, when when you start saying, well, I don't need to pray and ask the Lord to help me when I sing, we're going to have problems. When you sing as bad as I do, you got to pray. Uh, maybe you have other strengths. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's uh, different work areas or whatever. But maybe if you went to work every day and asked God to bless you, instead of saying, well, I don't need God. I know what I'm doing. Maybe you'd have better work relationships. Well, I've been married a long time. I know how, eh, we ought to stay submissive even in our marriages, rearing our kids. It's amazing how many child-rearing books are written by people that never raised a kid. So, first of all, strength becomes weakness when we think our strength will, help it, will, will allow us to do wrong. This is why I don't hang around preachers. I don't read their materials. I don't listen to their sermons when they've changed. That's why I throw their materials out... All the way back because I don't know where in that process they started changing. I want to keep myself clean all the way through. Number two, strength becomes weakness because then we focus on the weakness and forget to teach others our strength. I'm going to shock you with something. Have you ever noticed trends skip generations. It's like every other generation does the same thing just with a twist. Can I tell you why? We're good at teaching our kids our weaknesses. And we teach them to be strong where we're weak, but we fail to teach them to be strong where we're strong. (laughs) The 80s styles are starting to come back. Gag. Now, if the sixties and seventies stuff ever comes back, I'm mutinying. I am not wearing no silk shirt with flowers and do jiggers all over uh, no way what do they call those uh you know flowered silk blouses guys used to wear nasty oh the uh what do you call the the bell bottoms are back now. Bell-bottoms are not quite as stupid as skinny jeans, but it's not a whole lot better. And when certain people are certain sizes, skinny jeans ought not be placed on there. (laughs) That looks like two hogs fighting in one sack, amen? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) They talk about an oxymoron. Mm -hmm. You know, some things just ought not be put in public. Now, wait a minute. Uh, Why do things skip generations? Because we're good at teaching our children our weaknesses so that they'll be strong in areas where we're weak, but we fail to teach them our strength. Don't teach your teach the next generation just how to be strong where you're weak. Hey, uh, some of you had a bad background in alcohol and music. You're real good about doing that with your kids, but you'll let them go to the devil in other areas. That was your weakness. So you teach them to be strong, but you don't teach them to be strong where you're strong. Everybody doing okay? That's why things flip-flop generations part of ex, ex, part of success is not expecting somebody to have it i can't expect you to know what i know i'm to teach you we get frustrated with people who do not do not see things the way we see it we get upset some of you came out of a very rough background Maybe your your weakness was music. And if one thing or one song is played the wrong way, you're ready to jump down my throat. Why? That's your weakness. <laughs> I didn't listen to the stuff you listen to. Now, wait a minute. I'm cautious with our church music. Trust me. I'm probably more cautious about it than most pastors But may I say something, I'm not going to jump down somebody's throat because they don't see the danger in it like I do. Give them time to grow, they'll see it. Uh, You wonder why I get upset at certain things because I see what the end result is. Don't get so frustrated with your kids. Can I tell you something, kids are kids. A five-year-old boy really doesn't care The person he's playing with, if it's a boy or a girl, they just want to play. A five-year-old is not going to be turned into a sodomite because he played with his sister. I hate to disappoint you. Say, well, I don't. I grew up with G.I. Joe toys. Action figures. G.I. Joe. I've heard preachers preach against boys growing up with G.I. Joe. They're playing with dolls. G.I. Joe was not a doll. Barbie was. Yeah. That's right. Good night. I killed more things with G.I. Joe as a kid than should have ever been killed probably. I won every war and killed every bad dude in the world with G.I. Joe. I didn't turn out to be a sodomite. (laughs) Well, I don't think a... Uh, a five-year-old boy ought to have a stuffed animal. Then don't get him one. But guess what? I had him till I was probably near a teenager. Didn't bother me. Then turned him into targets with my guns. I mean, uh, <laughs> shoot here. Amen. <laughs> wait a minute. We need to not fail to teach our strengths. Don't just teach your weakness. Teach your strengths. Don't expect people to get what you know when you start leading by expectation you're not going to lead very far Noah's children failed David's grandchildren and children great-grandchildren fell David's children were a mess Moses' family is never mentioned Where's Daniel's family ever mentioned? Look at the mess that Abraham's family got into. Should I go on? They didn't teach their strength. They taught their weakness. Number three, and I'll hurry. we're done. God allows us to get back up after we mess up. Aren't you glad even if you mess up? God'll let you get back up.) <laughs> God does not expect perfection. He knows we're sinners. That's not an excuse to sin. Did you notice God didn't strike Solomon, slap him in the head the first wrong wife he married? He let him make the mistake a thousand times. God's patient. He probably thought, hey, stupid, you want that many mother-in-laws and that many women? You're going to suffer yourself, dude. By the way, God doesn't want you to stay down. He wants you to get back up and fix it. If you make a mistake in this church, do me a favor, get back up and come back. Don't be so ashamed. Don't be so full of pride that you don't come back. Well, preacher, I did or I said or I, I acted. So what? Come on back. I don't care. Nobody else does either. Success always involves failure. But failure is when you stay down, success means you got back up. You will never succeed without failing. Never. Did you ever see a child learn to walk? They don't go from laying on their back like a turtle to getting up and running and walking. They go to crawling. And then they stand up and... eh, That's why God builds them so close to the ground. If we fell like that, we wouldn't get back up. And it's a process of failure after failure after failure after failure after failure after failure to succeed. You only truly fail if you stay down. Did you know that God used... All of these men, after their failures, every one of them. It's not a license to do wrong, but don't wallow when you're wrong. Get up and start doing right. How about we quit kicking people that are down and pick them up and get them going right? My job is not to kick somebody when they're down. It's to lift them up and say, get up out of the mud. Let's clean you up and let's keep going. Reminds me of the story of the old black lady. She had 12 kids. One of them fell into the tar bucket. And she picked him up and she looked at him and she threw him back in the bucket and said, Son, it's easier to have another one than to clean you up. (laughs) Might be a little crude, but can tell you something? That's the way the average Baptist is. Somebody does something wrong. Well, it's easier to get rid of you and start over than clean you up. No, I want to clean them up. Get me the kerosene. Let's we'll clean them up. We'll get it off. Might rub some hide off in the process, but here we go. Don't let your stubbornness ruin you. Use your stubbornness for right. I know I'm stubborn, but if I weren't stubborn, we'd be changing doctrine and changing into the modern contemporary world. But that stubbornness is going to have a backside to it. You're not going to always like what I say. But don't let your compassion destroy you. You're so warm and squishy that, oh, we got a great God, great devil, and great sinful people. Here we go. Let's love everybody. Nope. No, 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 no. We ain't putting any rainbow flags out there. Amen. Over my dead body, and I'll tear it down myself and burn it. Amen. it God didn't say do that he said, come out from among them and be separate. Uh, Don't let your principledness destroy you. We could be so principled that we say, well, this person did this and I'm never going to forgive them and they're not going to. That's a bunch of garbage. (laughs) I know pastors that say, well, if you've been divorced, you shouldn't even join the church. You don't belong in a church. Those guys have a hole in their head big enough to drive twin Mack trucks through. There's only two things in Scripture a divorced person can't do. Be a deacon and pastor a church. Past that, everything else is okay. Now, I think you ought to be married and stay married to the person you're married to and not have 14,000 of them or 700 wives and 300 substitutes. But don't let your principledness keep you from helping people. Don't let your intelligence destroy you. We live in a world of intelligent, stupid people. We live in a world of intelligent idiots. They have more degrees than they have temperature. They have all the facts, but they don't have any of the answers. Well, they went to this college. So? I have people all the time, is your school accredited? Why would I want the public education system to tell me that I'm okay to have a school? I don't want them having anything to do with my school. They can't teach their own people what a boy and a girl is. They can't teach them to read before third grade. I can teach them to read before the end of kindergarten. Do you think, you think Mickey Mantle wanted to be uh, licensed by the Little League? T-Ball didn't need to say Mickey Mantle is okay to be a ball player. Anybody doing all right? Babe Ruth didn't need Hot Stove to tell him it was okay for him to hit the baseball. Why do we want people that can't even educate people in truth tell us what to do in a Christian school? It would be a cold day where the booger man lives. Now, uh, there are certain requirements by law and we'll keep them. We have to have a certain number of days, certain number of hours of teaching. We have to have uh state te- uh testing do- or uh, yearly uh testing done and turn those in. No problem. I'll keep to all that. We keep up with the fire codes, we keep up with fire drills, all that kind of thing. I have no problem with that past that. Keep your nose out of our school. None of their business. So what do you have to hide? Nothing. I have the truth if they want to come, but they're not going to tell me what to do. Don't let your intelligence destroy you. There are some people that are so smart, they're not real smart. Don't let your strength become your weakness. Don't let your strength destroy you. Well, I, bless God, I'm so strong here. Yeah, and that's why you can't love anybody. I'll be strong and true on truth, but I'm also going to have compassion on people that. Mess up. Have that balance. Be able to do both. Be able to strengthen your weakness and calm down your strengths. Pass on your strength, but pass on your weakness as strength. So many things. Solomon, 700 wives, 300 concubines, and in your old age you turned to false gods. And he allowed his strength to become is weakness. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. Maybe we ought to get introspective. Maybe we ought to start studying ourselves. Maybe we ought to be willing to change like some of these men in the Bible who did not, who ended up messing up their lives. Who'd say, preacher, somewhere in that sermon, something I needed tonight. Would you raise your hand? Oh, my soul. Dozens and dozens of hands. You may put them down.